Hey friends and foes, welcome to Brushwork Podcast. My name is Stephanie Scott, and today we're talking about embracing vulnerability with my special guest, Jerry Chapik. Dree is one of my favorite artists here in the Pacific Northwest, and she's got a show coming up at Greg Gussera Gallery. And I thought, what better time than now to interview her about her work, the changes she's had to make lately, and what's coming up next to her in her paintings. In the episode today, we talk about switching from oil to acrylic painting, how our bodies change our artwork, showing at multiple galleries, being a thrifty art buyer, and the power of the studio visit. Without further ado... Here's the interview. Hey, Dree. Welcome to Brushwork. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so glad to finally talk to you. Um, I feel like I've been wanting you to be on the podcast since I started it two years ago. Aww. And I was like, someday I'm going to see her in person. And, so, and then it just like magically happened. We were both at Art Walk together. And I was like, there she is. This is it. This I is the too. time. Did you just see me move in? I was like, shark. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Dree's the mastermind. <laughs> Yeah, let's just dive into my questions. So for people who don't know who you are and have never seen your work, can you describe what it is that you make? Yeah, so I get often when people see my work that they feel like they're moving through a dreamscape in the sense that there are shifting perspectives, um, events happening at the same time, and then also like spaces made for them to happen separately, uh, often things that maybe would not be in the same frame are in the same frame. So Mm -hmm. all of it is an attempt to have a space in which I can move through to make sense of all of those kinds of complexities of life and get it all on the same page. Because I know that once I find a way to accept the variables of life, even from like total delight and bliss, you know, allowing that to happen, I'm able to breathe and really feel and participate in the life. Yeah. So these are made as, I would say, like a visual mandala, if you're familiar with that sort of yeah. Eastern tradition of making a sort of journey available visually. That's extremely cool. What sort of materials do you work with? Oh, it's changing. So uh, I worked with oil paint for years and I loved pouring toxic chemicals. <laughs> It's so fun. It's fun until it's not. <laughs> until your nerves are like, guess what? That really hurts. So uh, my COVID round, I got a couple long yeah. COVIDs that damaged my lungs. And when that happened, I mean, you're hearing it now. I have a little sort of respiratory issue that I am hopeful I'll still be able to recover from because we really don't know what long COVID is yet. And I have a dear friend that has been struggling for a year and a half to just get out of bed. Gosh. So I have to consider myself lucky that my big change is lowering my inflammation in the air. So I am now working with acrylic and it's been a lot of sound effects like... It's really frustrating. It's so different. <laughs> it's not going to do anything for me. No. Um, I have a meeting with an artist that has been working with acrylic and I'm hoping to learn more about it. And I got some great tips from Margie Livingston, who's an incredible community builder and artist in Seattle. And she told me I was doing it wrong, which was so helpful. <laughs> they gave me the wet palette. Oh. And yeah, that bought me like five minutes yeah. of paint movement time on the canvas. Yeah. When you worked from oil for years, decades even, just yes. like it's going to something that has such a short open time is it, it like... You have to change the way you paint. You have you to do. change everything the way you think about color. You Yes. <laughs> There's no prep work that's like you do it and you do it now. <laughs> yeah. So in an attempt to do my, you know, life hack of surrendering, mm-hmm. it was like, what can I do with this? Right. Because it's not doing what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I had to go to the core of my work yeah. and say, what am I trying to do in my work? And how can I do that with acrylic paint? And it really took an entire shift of application but Mm -hmm. more so even just um imagery yeah and approach because acrylic is really more like drawing Mm -hmm. I would say Mm -hmm. and once I accepted that it was easier for me to get to some kind of solution yeah 
Um, it's a journey that I'm in the middle of. I then found the water-based oils, which are pretty good. They have their own tricks too. And you don't feel a reaction to them? I don't. And I know it's interesting. And I took um, like Terps and Gamasol and all that out of yeah. my work years ago. But even just maybe even the chemical pigments were triggering. Interesting. I'm not sure. Um, but they're not putting those in this paint because it is supposed to be hypoallergenic. So yeah. you can't really um, add water. And that's not actually how it goes. It's only washing with water. Mm. You add oil to get fluidity. And then there are several additives that you can use to thin out the paint. But be careful because a lot of them also have resin, which resin is highly toxic. So... It's been fun to learn the new mediums. Your previous collection, the one that I was like introduced to when I met you, was full of a lot of like body of material. That's totally how I thought of seduced it. Seduced by paint. Yeah, just Absolutely. like like thick pieces of paint to the point where I would like stare at it and then like walk a couple steps to the right and it's a whole different painting, right? Yes. <laughs> and to have a show that you've got now where it's like all the new materials, but also transitioning from the old ones, because I'm sure you've worked over this for a couple of years. That's, it's completely different. I'm, I'm seeing what used to feel very uh, of the flesh, I'm going to say, yeah. in your last work, now has more figurative things that you can see. You're just like, yes. oh, I can point out a building here. I can point out a fence line. I can point out faces. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a couple of components to that shift. One major one is I started cold swimming as part of my COVID recovery, eyes rolling. That's so hardcore. <laughs> I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm just like, holy cow. No, no, no. <laughs> It's so funny because um, we live in the perfect place to cold swim. Yeah. It seems outlandish, but that's a culture issue. You know, like if you go north in Europe, it's really common. And my ancestry, part of my ancestry is that. Yeah. And so I actually feel like I'm finally functioning better than I ever have because I'm taking advantage of sauna and cold swim. And I think (laughs) genetically I'm probably wired for it, which is why Mm -hmm. I was so in need of some detox support my whole life and like had inflammation issues and things. So I like to think about that, you know, where humans came from and I'm not doing science. (laughs) I haven't (laughs) read anything, but I made up my own hypothesis that uh, this is a lifestyle that really works for my system. My husband is more Mediterranean and his hands and feet go yellow when he cold swims. And so I'm not sure it's best for him. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but for me, I start to crave it. Like even right now, midday, I'm like so hot. It's 38 degrees. Yeah. And my body is like, when are we going to go cold swimming? But it's kind of like a sauna experience because it's like so cold that it burns your skin. Mm-hmm. So it's I equate it to that level of discomfort. And then um, I'm like climbing the top of a mountain, which I have so much backpacking history. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to work with that gap between feeling wild and outdoors and then like living in these huts and city life and things and so this has been an incredible actual physical blend of getting to what really feels like going to the top of the mountain because I'm like in the water to a point where my eye line is just what four inches off of the water and so it actually creates a prairie view Oh, cool. Right? So I'm in the water looking out along this long, open, expansive view, often full of color, unless we're on gray days. And Mm -hmm. then it's, I mean, gray's a color. Gray. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. But like the blues on the water or the sunsets, like pinks and purples, and you'll see all of that in the work now too, creating this open, expansive, peaceful experience. So I have two benefits. One is that it's cooling my nervous system and the other is that it's relaxing my nervous system because I'm doing that experience of being in the wild and getting my calm nature fix every day. It's really been incredible for me. And then it starts coming into the work. So of course it changes the work. I know like, not at all changes <laughs> the work. Right. But at the end of the show, like after I got it all, I'm like, look at all that water. Because <laughs> my, my production style is really intuitive. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not like planning before a show. It's every painting. I'm like, whatever I'm drawn to, right. I need to follow that. 
And then there you go. There's like all these transitions to more ease and water. And I think that's why the flesh has, you know, I still bring it in, but instead of going to maybe what well, I, I consider that to be one of the hardest areas for me to go to, if I'm talking about like mandala traveling, yeah, um, I, I'll use light to create a darker space. Like I'm not um, having a practice of looking away from that because I feel like it's so important to keep tending the shadow mm-hmm. because if you don't, it will bite you from mm-hmm. the backside. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. That's really cool. That's, that's something I, I just took yeah. you traveling. You went with me. Thanks for going. We had an adventure. Such a great ride, isn't it? Okay, podcast over. <laughs> Let's go swimming. No, now we're swimming. Seven minutes away. <laughs> and you do this every day: the cold plunge and well, sauning if you can. Everyone got a cold freeze here in America last week. It was and chilly. Yeah, I don't go out if it's under thirty-seven degrees. Uh, mostly because I swim alone in the winters, and uh, I don't like the feeling of water freezing on my skin when I get out of the water. Yeah. It's fine when you're in the water because the water is actually warmer than it is outside. But um, yeah, it's like we only have a few days of that, so like I don't go in that situation. Or um, I've also made a rule that I swim with the tide. That's another benefit of the swimming is that you're thinking about the water and how it's moving yeah. and I'm aware of the moon cycle because the moon affects the water mm-hmm. and I have a whole book about it that uh I look at the pictures <laughs> I need to read all the science of it I was like what how does that work it's amazing I want to know and then sometimes I'm like I don't know if I want to know you know like sometimes the wonder of it yeah. is is enough for me to sit in and just like not know that because there's a lot of other details I have to know in my life and sometimes it's like, wow, I'll just be amazed that this tide goes all the way up to 12 feet sometimes. And then other times in the month, it only comes to nine feet. Like, whoa. Uh, so I swim when it's kind of eight and a half feet because I have learned that if I go much lower than that, it's really hard to get to a depth of swimming. You're like Submerged. just walking on right. the sand. And then if I go much higher than that, I meet sea lions, which I don't really like to swim with. <laughs> She's out there, y'all. <laughs> In oh, the yeah. wild. <laughs> I've been stung by jellyfish and I witnessed seagulls fighting <laughs> over uh, fish guts in front of me and like swim past the geese. And yeah, there's a whole wildlife. I saw a whale uh, circle. You know how they do the bubble nets? Yes. And then all the birds coming in and like feeding off the top it's right there it's, it's so just cool. right off the shore Dree and i live in the pacific northwest and it is stunning once you get out of the city yeah <laughs> yeah and that's what's crazy is i didn't realize that getting out of the city can happen two feet into the water yes and we're around water yes this whole city is around water it's, so it's so good yeah <laughs> it is it's, i highly recommend it there was a moment last year when i realized that i don't tell direction by north south east west i tell it by yeah. where is the water yeah which body of water yeah and like washington's right there yeah yeah and i'm like where's the water oh it's that way okay we have to go that way and that way it's pretty <laughs> great but just know that at high tides it's sea lion water and mm-hmm. you don't want to be in there because they know. will come out of the water with their teeth <laughs> out and the water dripping off of their teeth and swim slowly towards you to let you know that it is their pool right now and territory. you need to get out so i have to swim at the specific tide time safety first y'all yeah for sure. And that doesn't always work. So sometimes I don't go. But <laughs> yes, pretty regular. It's perfect. Um, all right. Let's let's focus back on art and less on the sea lions. <laughs> it's hard to get off of. They're so big. I know they're big. Like two sea lions <laughs> no, we gotta like over <laughs> the size of a, sh- a sailboat. It's like amazing. They're alarming. Yes. Um. I, I wanted I wanted to tell people the story of um how I how I met you yeah way back when in 2019 I was looking through our like Instagram chat log and I was like oh it's been years it's been many many that years we've been like click click we've click, been, click like internet buddies but also sometimes in person buddies and so I remember finding you I found your Instagram page and then you sent me a DM which at the time for me was like nobody talked to me oh yeah <laughs> and, and I was like. 
oh, this artist that I like is also inviting me to go see her show. And I was like, this is pretty cool. So I like go to see your show. And then you were like, we were at the show and you're like, hey, you should come to my studio. And I've heard from other people that you are the uh, queen of studio visits. (laughs) Like two people have told me this. I didn't know that was, and I, what does that mean? Um, as if like, I do a lot of studio visits you do a lot or of studio I invite visits. a lot of people. You invite a lot of people. Okay. And, and people have a great time when they come to see your studio. And I was like, oh man, I'm I so feel like excited. I, can I get a plaque for that? Maybe I can make you one. I would love Okay, that. great. <laughs> but like going to your studio that first time, like changed Whoa. the way I thought about making art. And I was just like, well, thank you for that. That was really cool. But it was seeing someone who is doing art in a way that I had always wanted to, but didn't know what it looked like. I couldn't Mm. visualize it. Oh, gosh. And I feel like you have a lot of generosity to you. Mm. And I feel like you're very giving. And especially when you see emerging artists, like you're always showing their work and your stories. You're always, I can see your comments on people that I also follow. And I'm like, this is really great. Anyways, I wanted to ask you about generosity. And yeah, where that's coming from. Yeah. Well, I was you one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're doing way beyond. I, but when I met you, yeah, yeah. I saw in you that you were committed and that you had such full thought around what you were doing. And I had that um, and I could not get in in any way. Mm-hmm. I reached out. No one would respond. <laughs> and um, it was very, it felt very separate. Yes. And we have a couple of problems in this area in the Pacific Northwest. So um, they call it, what is it? The Seattle Freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's just like culturally, it's mm-hmm. okay to not talk to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like from five different states <laughs> in the Midwest where that would, it's unheard of. Unheard of. <laughs> it's so rude. It's true. Um, and it's, it's a breakdown of humanity. It is, it is, uh, a, a, a bigger problem than like um, just a social situation because when we separate ourselves from each other, we're losing on both sides. Yeah. And I get so much from, I mean, I'm not like, oh, I, I'm excited to meet you and learn from you and get, you are so organized. You have so much going on. Hey. <laughs> Your work has developed through the years in this really powerful, organized and emotional and a you know, tight way that inspires me and we're Thank connected. <laughs> and so then, you know, it's yeah. like a feed. It goes around and around. Are you familiar with John O'Donohue's work on relationships? The name sounds really familiar. I feel but like I'm going to butcher the book title, but it's something like Bless the Space Between Us. Mm. And he talks about how the relationship between humans is one of the most sacred, creative events that can happen Mm -hmm. and I feel that you know I just got gifted from a studio visit from Emily Gerard yesterday who's a genius yeah she's cool I know (laughs) and sometimes like people will come and um this is reciprocated too I love to go to studios also but um I'll say like mine are yours and Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's like um, I'm mine is gutted right now or I don't have any work here or whatever and it's like well let's meet here and then I get all this insight into my work because I'm so deep inside of what I'm creating. I don't really know what I'm creating, but then they come in and they'll reflect back. Mm -hmm. You know, she had so many wise things to say about my work and it was so helpful to see it through her lens. And, um, and then you just feel more calm in your body because you're like, I know my community and that's just an archaic need in humans. I mean, at least for me, Mm -hmm. I feel like Mm -hmm. my village is, very isolated, you know, because that's the duty that we have. We have to have that alone time. But the balance for me is, I guess, queen of studio visits. Queen of studio visits. I remember being like 27 and out of like an art residency that had changed my life. And I had been painting a lot more and I was studying more. And I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I get into the quote unquote art world of Seattle? Like, where is the where door is it? to knock on? Like, I am willing yeah. to reach out to people, but I don't know how to get there. And it's, I think it's still a problem. It's still a problem. Yeah. 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 I have some other ideas, like, um, 
I would love to host something. I have no idea how that would work. I know I'm like a little bit outside of the city, which is also a problem for a lot of people in Seattle. If you have a 15 minute drive, it's like, oh, that's really far. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I could at least, uh, you know, because I think where is it? Mm, we I think we could do some more things to build it. Right. Yeah, honestly. Um, we have the art walk, but that's not um I would love to see more time together. Yes. If like there was more the, events. Did you read the book The Fifth Street Women? I did. And I feel my biggest take home was like they hung. They hung, they hung out, out all the time. So much. Like multiple times a week. Yeah. And yeah. it was so fun. <laughs> yeah. And then they had musicians come hang. Mm-hmm. And then they had poetry. Mm-hmm. And then they had stockbrokers. And then they mm-hmm. had all these business people wanted to take in the party. And it's such a great it's so good. dynamic. Invite people in. Your relationships are the most important part of your art business, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Is that the title of this podcast? It could That's be. like the catch line right there. <laughs> I feel like I've talked about this like a thousand times, but I won't shut up about it till it's solved. It's but just it also like... takes somebody who's willing to do the risk and put themselves out there. And yes. mine was Margie Lavelle. So she is this incredible curator and painter that is in Edison, Washington, mm-hmm. South Skagit Valley. And she responded to an email. Hang on, guys. <laughs> what? Hold your horses. So 15 years of emailing people. And granted, I would say I was slow about mm-hmm. and maybe not hitting it as hard as I could have. I would recommend showing up as much as you can to whatever art scene you are around and knowing the people. And I had no idea how important that was. Mm -hmm. But um, Margie responded to my email. She came to my studio. She saw the work in person, loved it, and started showing me. And then uh, that was going so well that she recommended me to her friend Greg, who happened to be Greg Cusera. Mm -hmm. And then he came and looked at the studio. And that was a door I couldn't open from my own emails or going in and giving them You needed a connection pamphlets of whatever show I was putting up in whatever coffee shop. (laughs) (laughs) the truth. (laughs) Yeah. And there were a lot back then. There were so many great spaces. I feel like not as many lately. People are not maybe as willing to work with artists on their restaurant wall or um, I did like furniture stores or Mm -hmm. anthropology and so many coffee shops. And all those shows really are a good workout in your brain and you need that free space. You you got to find them and dig for them. And if you're ever wondering about how to get a coffee shop show, I do have an episode on it. So, you know, listener, you should go you should go look for that. <laughs> and do not knock it because getting that coffee shop show and mm-hmm. seeing your work up is huge. Mm-hmm. It's it's important and you should have as many of them and like don't stop doing them. Like even if you find a little milestone, like if you can keep doing them, they work. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That's that's a that's a good answer. What would, what would be something that you would want to see more of in an art community? Yeah, I think, um, and I I talk to quite a few artists that feel similarly. We would love like a space where we can hang out and do long, you know, conversations and times together. It's been really held up by COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got a house just before COVID that I was excited to host and I managed to get one event in where I turned my studio into a gallery and I hosted some great artist friends, Justin Hagerberg and Sarah Oswald and Marky Mickelson. And we all did a show and we had a couple of our musicians play. Fun. Yeah. But the turnout was really low. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing because it's like the first go around. So people didn't really know what to expect. But I think if I had something more regularly, maybe we could get some good hangs there. I don't know. But there's a lot of people trying to think outside the box, you know, like using their own homes yes. for art installations. Um, yeah, my only my only comment to that would be that it's so brief. It usually ends up feeling like quick chatter because there's not enough time to mm-hmm. go see all the things in the mm-hmm. window of time. It's like, hi, hi, hi. Uh, okay, I have to go. Yep. And like part of that relationship of being in the room with a person does take time to get to the point where you're creating something together through conversations and ideas and that's the part I would love to see more of there's a book called the art of gathering oh and I I've been reading it and it's all about hosting good events um, from small birthday parties to giant corporate affairs and what makes for a good event and how to get something that's repeating and have foster good conversation and you know the how the 
invitation matters and things like that. That's great. I think okay. you'd like it. I'll but read that. Yeah. I feel like there is a lack of, we're going to get into city talk here, but a lack of third places for totally. artists to hang out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hosting those places takes a lot of effort from one person who's like, I'm an artist, but Already I also have to be the planner. <laughs> yeah, like- <laughs> that was the other take home from having mm-hmm. that event was I had to clear my studio and I wasn't working. And I also have, well, we have four kids, one past, raising three kids and they're all really creative and busy and we make it a point to not do screens. So it's like participating in that fully. It's a lot of work. It's, yeah, there's not enough time, but it's also my passion because I grew up in a third place. Mm-hmm. I had this amazing music scene that I would go to in Kansas City. And I still have really good friends from that. And I didn't have to do anything. I mean, you could like work the barista bar and make hot cocoa right. out of like powder mixes. And you could do a mocha version if you pump the coffee into it. I love it. So good. Uh, and then I wouldn't have to pay my ticket fee if I worked it. But I could just go in, run into a bunch of people or run into people I didn't know and meet them. Right. And then there's live music. It was so awesome. But I think because real estate's gotten so expensive – it's really hard for people to host those kinds of spaces that don't make a lot of money. Right. It's it's a feeling so of multiple it goes friends. to the house. It goes to the house and then people are like, oh, I don't know you. I don't know if I want to go to your house. Right. right. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's I, – I also hope to have some of those in the future. So we'll see if we can get them on a book. Okay. Made happen. Good. Yeah. So you've got – two galleries which is really cool i think it's actually you're the only person that i know in washington state that has a gallery with two galleries in washington state um i don't know a lot of people so Mm -hmm. there's probably others but you're the only one that i know of that has this one i know i can't pull up his name but yeah (laughs) quite a few people that show with marty also show Mm -hmm. in other places um I just, yeah, I think because of the order, mm-hmm. because I was with her, and I I just am so grateful to her mm-hmm. for opening up a door for me that I could not find anywhere else. Um, and then the Greg Cusera Gallery has been very accepting and willing to keep that going. Um, it's also just really far away. Like, I love yeah. Edison as a town, and I'm friends with so many of the incredible artists that run that town. They don't leave it. That's mm-hmm. where they are. That's where they are. And that is pretty much how it goes for most of Skagit Valley. There's a reason they're out there. Mm-hmm. They do not want to be here. So they're two different markets. I think that's why that's working. And I make work that is rooted in the natural world. So for me to be able to do a show in the natural world, because yeah. Edison is this two block town in the middle of farmland that's been preserved because they were nearing a point where if they sold any more farmland to development, there would not be enough farmers to have the farm and supply store run. Right. So there's no more building going on in that area and it's protected this quiet space that's only an hour away from the city. It's so remarkable. It's beautiful over there. Isn't it? And then you stand in the fields and you look out to the San Juan Islands, which I think are dinosaurs that drowned and left their humps out of the water. It's possible. Pretty also science. Science. Yeah. Facts. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> I love showing out there. And that's like where our mystics came from. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar, like that's kind of the last group of pacific northwest that are known i'm ready for another one i Mm -hmm. think we're i think we're there i Mm. think we're gonna make this movement we're gonna get a title (laughs) it's happening um but they have that feel in that space too so it's really surreal for me to get to show in places that they would have inhabited and um it reminds me of like the depth of my work so i keep it i love it yeah i I have never worked with two places at once. Um, Sometimes I have two shows that happen pretty close together, but those are usually coffee shop shows. And so I'm curious, how do you choose which gallery gets which paintings at which time for which shows? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you how do you navigate that? And, you know, because you want to respect each gallery. Yeah. And you want to make sure that everyone's getting paid and, you know, they're helping you in individual ways. Yeah. How does that work? I mean, those those are the hiccups. um, And they're really good about working that out together. It's basically been the paintings that I make for IE Gallery are 
there in Edison and those are hers. Mm-hmm. And then the paintings that I make for Greg, those are stay there at the Greg Kucerich Gallery. And it all depends on time. I yeah. mean, like I said, I don't plan a whole show. I'm like a painter's painter in the sense that I paint one painting and then I paint the next painting. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more like I heard Bob Jones talk about this. He's like, when I have a show, I just paint and then it's showtime and I look at my studio and whatever's there, I put it in the show. Fabulous. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> That's because I was starting to feel like I had to have like a whole theme. I mean, the themes come just because you're, you're you human. and we're obsessive mm-hmm. and it's like you want to go back to these themes and I have a commitment to my work and I have themes in my work that I tend to. So it all, you know, does come back, but I don't. Um, I don't even try anymore to like come out of it and say like, what's the really kind of installation this time, right? Because <laughs> right. like we got into that, I think maybe 15 years ago or something, it started being like, there needs to be a whole shtick for a show. Ooh, maybe not. Maybe maybe not everybody has to do that. Maybe this is just what it is mm-hmm. in its chronological order. Mm-hmm. Your last show was at IE, is that correct? Yes. And then this one is at... Greg Caceres, are you going to, do you just alternate them? I do. Every year I alternate. I had a year last year where I did not do a show because I had long COVID. Right. And I wasn't able to work. And so this is work that was made, um, you know, between that larger gap, which bought me a lot of time to work this new paint materials, make mistakes, Overpaint, overpaint, over, figure out. Yeah. So um, I think you'll feel that in this show that it's over a long period of time. And that is such a gift in this day and age of making. Yeah. Because you have to make so much work to make this job work as life is more expensive Mm -hmm. than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also have cushion because my husband is a naturopathic doctor and he has been able to keep working through COVID. And so we've leaned into his income as mine, you know, slowed down. So that's not always the case. I feel like that's kind of the trick for most people that I know that are able to keep working in the arts. It's, you know, kind of, it's really unfortunate that that's the deciding factor. Mm -hmm. I know so many incredible artists that um, are not able to paint because they have to work. And I, I, I know I'm extremely lucky. Um, I also still feel the sacrifice of that. Yeah. I mean, like the gift is you get to paint mm-hmm. and the sacrifice is your budget is always going to be a little the tight. Budget. The budget. The <laughs> budget is tight. <gasps> is mm-hmm. selling original artwork your main income source for your art business? Yeah. Yeah. I've just stuck with that. Um, do you ever do commissions? I I have mm, frozen. <laughs> 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 I used to do commissions. I did one recently. It was not that fun for me. Mm-hmm. I prefer to just um, do what I do. I started making art when I was 13 and the channel to... My art voice is very vulnerable and I love that. And then if I invite another voice into that channel, it really disrupts it. And I don't think they get the best work. Mm -hmm. So um, I like the Greg Cusero gallery model. Uh, It is what size do you want? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you get. (laughs) Yeah. So I think something like that could work. That's wonderful. Yeah. But I've tried like, can you do that painting over again? Or, you know, can you adjust it in this way or something? And uh, mm-hmm. tough. I, I love a simple instruction. That's pretty great. I Right? <laughs> my own my own commission process is extremely complex. I'm like, what style do you like? What colors right? do you like? What's the theme you want? Great. All right. I'll make it. And, and great. You're happy with it? Hey, it. it's my biggest money maker as an artist. That's I sell awesome. commissions much more than I do my originals, and yeah, it is how it's that right now. So great, yeah, it's and it's really artist artist to artist. I was just um, at another studio visit. Hey. We have studio visits, <laughs> and um, 
he was saying he absolutely loves doing commissions and it's so fun for him. So we love yeah, it. Yeah. Person to person. Try it out. Maybe it's going to work for you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Does financial pressures ever change the way you paint? Oh, man. I'm so spoiled. <laughs> okay. So my husband and I met when we were 21 and we were like, all right, deal. Mm-hmm. You get to be a naturopath. I get to be an artist. Yeah. We support each other full stop. Match made. Match made. I didn't know what a great deal that was going to be for me <laughs> because I was really naive and I was like, I'm killer. I'll do this. <laughs> People say you can't make it in the world of art, but I will because I work really hard and I'm committed and <laughs> this is my thing. And it's even if it's your thing and even if you're working really hard, it is just a tough market. Yeah. Um. I think there's several beasts that we're dealing with in there and it's uh, the same across the board. I've talked to New York artists and LA artists and it's just a hard world. Um, it's quite small mm-hmm. now. I mean, Seattle alone, we're down to like half the galleries that we had when I moved here. It's true. They keep closing. It's breaking my heart. It's really hard. And some of that is like those galleries were established in 1980s and 1990s when mm-hmm. art was in its boom. Mm-hmm. And so we have a city full of incredible artists. That's also one of the reasons I reach out to people that think they're nothing. They are not nothing. They are amazing. Right. They're so great. And I have tried to figure out if I could open a gallery because I have such a heart for these incredible artists. And I've seen some of our best artists leave this city because they couldn't make it work. And it is crushing. I get a lot of cheap art because they sell their studios. <laughs> I get the work, but I, it's like, just like this visual reminder <laughs> of like, we have got to grow this scene because we're killing it. I mean, we have such awesome creatives mm-hmm. and we just have this bridge to build between our audience. And I think that's that's national. And it seems to go along with losing newspapers. Sure. I, I have a theory, again, science that – People would have come across art looking through a newspaper and be reminded of it or been drawn to it, offered Mm -hmm. it, but not had to go out and seek it. And you really have to go and look for it now. And I have to go and look for it. And there's a few galleries that I haven't been to because a lot of galleries are coming up out a lot. The few galleries that have come up are not coming into Pioneer Square and I'm just old school and I like walk Pioneer Square. Right. But now I'm like, oh, where is this? I need to go find this mm-hmm. gallery and drive to that also and then find parking and then cars go in it. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm like, if I'm having a hard time finding it, how mm-hmm. how is someone who's just like, I would like to just check out the art world going to find it. Right. You know? And we have the maps for Art Walk that go out. Um, but you have to know to look for that, too. So, yeah, I think more is coming. I think we're seeing that social media is not an effective communication tool. So I'm excited for the next thing. Yeah. Whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. What are some good financial habits you have that you would recommend for artists? Mm. Not being a financial advisor. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I didn't realize that my husband and I were doing this, but there's this, um, book out about how to live your rich life. Mm -hmm. And the idea is do what you love and then don't spend money on anything other than that. Oh. Yeah. So you have to be tight in the areas where it's not important to you. So for us, we don't like to go out to eat. Mm -hmm. So we don't go out to eat. But we do love to go backpacking and surfing. And so we spend money on that gear. And then we find like really affordable, non-luxurious places to stay to facilitate those things. Yeah. Because it's the act of the surfing that's great. It does not matter if the Airbnb has Mm -hmm. a mouse. It's fine. (laughs) It's totally fine. Because it does. We like nature, remember? We love nature, yeah. especially when it's in the yeah. walls. <laughs> I mean, when you get that wood fire burning going, it's warm. It's warm. <laughs> yeah. It's warm for everyone. <laughs> Even the I had that exact experience. Last fall, I was like out on a weekend trip with my partner and 
we were like, what is that sound in the walls? There's some, some rats. Nice. Good choice. Yes, love it. Good choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, we love our home, but I can be a really thrifty purchaser. So mm-hmm. this place is really decorated. People think I'm fancy. And I'm like, antique mall being across the street. It's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> And we have killer thrift stores Mm -hmm. all around this area because there are people that do make a lot of money and they just drop their stuff off at the thrift store and then it's beautiful. So if you go regularly, you can find artwork and furniture. Really good stuff. Yeah. So many vases and it's $5 and then you you can get your own color palette going in your home. So I'm hearing spend money on things that actually matter to you. That's right. Leave the rest. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to do things as everybody else is doing them. You know, Mm -hmm. we run our cars into the ground, but I buy original artworks, which you can do for under $1,000 easy. And I could not recommend it more because it's the gift that keeps on giving. It feels so good to be connected to makers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, If you're like, I want to buy some art and you have an artist you like, sign up for their freaking mailing list. Because they will do studio sales. Yeah. <laughs> and it will happen. You just have to be patient and you'll be able to get something amazing. Absolutely. Or um, I'm trying to be a channel for that also. Like if you really can't afford gallery work, like contact artists that you do know and say, mm-hmm. hey, do you know any artists that work in this way? Or mm-hmm. I like this. Like you can come into the fold for sure. Studio visits are for everyone. They are not just for artists. It's true. Yeah. It's true. How would you, ooh, okay, this is a great question. Um, it's not on my list. How would you, how do you approach people who you want to visit their studios? Like, how, mm. how do you go about that? You tell me. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, I think I'd me, go, so. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, let's see, that's good. I have been trying to challenge myself to do a studio visit with somebody that I feel intimidated by. Yeah. Emily Gerard uh-huh. is one of them, which she was laughing at because she's like, um, yeah, we're peers. Uh, but we all have our own insecurities. It's true. Like a lot of them probably as artists. Like that's one of our superpowers is we're sensitive. We're sensitive. So you can take it in the wrong direction sometimes. Um, but I just ask and they now they say yes to me. <laughs> Queen studio visits. Yeah. I mean, that is the benefit of the gallery, and that's what galleries are needed for is you get credibility because somebody else believes in your work, and that works in a lot of different areas. Mm -hmm. Like, I hadn't known that until I moved into that space. But yeah, other artists value your work if the gallery values your work, and then the buyers too. So, it's very easy now. But, um, I don't know. I guess maybe my studio is going to be full of visitors now. (laughs) Knocking on your door. Yeah, I'll just start painting (laughs) with people in there. Um, You can't make anyone do one if they don't want to do one. So if you ask and they don't respond, that's your answer. But um, there are there are plenty of really friendly, awesome artists that you know will say yes. I would say that if you are wanting to visit someone's studio and you don't know them very well or even at all I would warm them up first right so you're going to go on their Instagram page and you're going to like things and comment on their most recent stuff and you're going to do this over like a couple of weeks and then you're going to send them a DM which is like hey I love your work I think you're amazing and then leave it at that and see if they respond and if they start having conversations with you then you can be like do you do studio visits that's (laughs) a great idea I would totally be sold on that yeah (laughs) yeah Just like make yourself familiar <laughs> and also safe and like someone who's not going to like come in and destroy your work or whatever. Like, yeah. And, jerk. and yeah, on that note, when you're visiting somebody's studio, do not offer your ideas about mm-hmm. um, what they could do oh, unless you say, are you open to ideas mm-hmm. or would you like feedback? Mm-hmm. Those are important, important questions. Yeah. Because that is person to person. Some people don't want you. Commenting and you're not really there to solve their problems. Yeah. Ask questions. Don't be curious. Yeah, be curious. That's that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about your creative practice? Yeah. Heck yeah. What does a typical studio day look like for you? From like you've had your morning cup of coffee. Yeah. 
Hmm. First, I get three kids off to school. Actually, the <laughs> oldest is doing it himself, which is amazing. Um, Love it. Yeah. So there's a lot of like process in my mornings. It's almost two hours of getting people fed, fed for the lunch out the door. Mm-hmm. And then when I come home, I center myself because my creative space comes from like a specific gear mm-hmm. in my body. And if I'm not in that gear, I will not make good choices. And my work is all about my choices that I'm making. Right. I don't have anything that I paint, which would have been smart, uh, that is an automatic. Mm. So my work is intuitive. It is um, made from being present. And so I'll look to see what I need to do to get present. It's a feeling that I have in my body. And sometimes it's like, I feel like if I got the dishes done, yeah. And I thought about my work, that would get me there. Or sometimes it's like, whoa, it's been a lot of moving. I need to sit on the couch and light some candles because I'm a pyromaniac. And get then centered. Get centered. Um, sometimes I'm ready. Yeah. It's just, I kind of I just check my system. Mm-hmm. The chakras maybe. I don't really do chakra work, but I would say that's like maybe the closest to like yeah. are, are all my channels open. Checking in. Yeah. And then I go in and then it depends on what needs to be done for the day. So my work comes from um, something in life, you know, sort of wanting to work with whatever is going on. I would say like maybe psychological work. And if I have my collage already built, then I can go into the painting and start, you know, referencing it, but also checking my own body, what I want to be working on, how to pull from the imagery in a way that feels like it's expressing what I want to express. Yeah. If I don't, then I start working with imagery, pulling things together. That process has gotten quite selective as I've been able to use photos from my own life to get closer to what I want to talk about because I feel like that's been my big project in the last five years is to be really sincere about what I love, what I work with, what I'm looking at Mm -hmm. because um, it was really an attempt to be more vulnerable in hopes that that might create more vulnerability in the world. Be what you want. Love it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm trying not to be afraid when all that goes on the walls in the gallery and like stay in my safe space, even when I'm in another space, because it's actually not changing. I'm still on the earth mm-hmm. and I'm still safely held and I can share for the greater good and trust that that is helpful for other people too. And if it's not that's fine. There's a door and there's art right next door. You can go over there too. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like when the art is on the wall, it, it's no longer you. It's now the world's. Oh, that's good. And that's how I think about it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Until so they make you talk about it. Whatever. <laughs> that's prepared. <laughs> um, okay. So you go into your studio, you paint for, or you make, or you work on anything that has to happen for... How many hours? My studio days are usually 10 to 4, so Mm -hmm. six-hour days. I've always talked about setting a timer and, like, stretching or, like, bend over at least. Mm -hmm. I don't do it. (laughs) I just lock up, leave my body, Uh and, like... You blink and it's over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I get a cold swim in there somewhere Mm -hmm. um, for a break. Or at the end of the day or beginning, you know, it all, that all depends on the tide. That's been a shuffle getting that worked out in there. But I've kept it because I make so, I like the choices I'm making when mm-hmm. I keep that practice. Sometimes I do things that seem inefficient to studio time because they actually make my studio time more efficient. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're working and you're making bad choices and you have to repaint it the next day, that's not forward so it's really about like the chakras or you know the channel and keeping the creativity and that present mind Mm -hmm. there and my husband's tricks are really what helped me do that he is a health nut guru 
and they work. <laughs> What's your favorite trick? Uh, no alcohol and no substances. Mm. That keeps my brain very clear. I've been disciplined about that from the beginning because that's really what my work is about is my mind. And so if I can keep my brain healthy, then my work is healthy. Um, my husband works for the Amen Clinics and Dr. Amen says, you want to have brain jealousy or brain envy because we don't need the other one. <laughs> but <laughs> um, uh-huh. it's, a, it's a cute idea. It's like, you know, preserve yourself, drink your water, take your multivitamins. We have a low inflammation diet and then you can be your best self. Mm-hmm. Taking care of your body to make art is something I've definitely discovered over the last four or five years where I'm just like, oh, I want to make art for a really, really long time. Right. And that means taking care of the physical self. Yeah. Yeah. And that's work, but you got to do it. it. <laughs> My goal is to get better at the weightlifting. Mm-hmm. I like the swimming and the walking. The gym is not fun, but especially as you get older, it's crucial. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to value that and maybe even over studio time, but I do have a hard time with that one. That's my weak link. Do you Have you changed anything about your creative practice since, I don't know, four years ago? Hmm. I mean, um, the materials, definitely. And I had that big sort of, sort of mental exploration of how can I talk about what my work talks about and use it within the limits of this new material. Mm-hmm which felt like extremely existential and sort of broke my brain. But I think it was a really good exercise because in the long run, I had to get more literal with my work, Yeah, which has also been a goal to become more specific. So it sort of was working out, I think. Um, And then, yeah, introducing my own photography versus... I don't think of myself as a photographer, but just, you know, capturing the moments where I go, ooh, that's... That's my work, mm-hmm. you know, and then using that imagery in my painting um, has made me feel more invested in the work. I previously had been finding imagery that felt really important and relevant too, um, but this layer, I guess I feel like I can take the images and do whatever I want with them yeah. more and yeah. like throw them away more and um, use bits of them. And so I feel like my work has become probably like more specific, but also uh, looser in the sense of the image. Are you still making full collages before each painting? I am. Um, This painting I'm working on now is actually the second painting I've made from the same collage. Interesting. Yeah. I was curious because I don't use all the imagery. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying that and it's fun. And I, I could see even doing a third one just like I can go larger with it or yeah there's so many options within those images and it's fun to push it and see what I could squeeze out of it are you planning to show any of the collages with this show you've just hung up I'm not I have two collage works going in that are just really great collages from previous paintings yes but um I I really am painting because that is the best way for me to get at what I'm trying to talk about. Mm -hmm. And my view was developed over my childhood, which included so much travel through air and land. Like my parents were divorced and living in states that were, you know, states and states apart. So I would fly or drive every two months and then be gone for some extended period of time. And my dad was always moving and he would sometimes send us to my grandmother's lake house Mm -hmm. or we'd go to my aunt's house and all these were states away. And so the images that I'm trying to portray are this collective of sort of flashes of lives that are small, but connected by vastness of humanity having similarities and of the earth being all one place so that's why my work is you know going into a space and becoming very intimate and then you go out of the space and it's very large because that experience is my core that's Mm -hmm. what I built as a home for myself in the midst of 
so much change because I didn't have, um, you know, one way of living. It was all these other ways. And then my mind came up with my painting world, which is really where I am the most at home when I'm yeah. thinking in that way. So if I show the collage work, it's really easy to dismiss it as um, like a visual answer or something like, mm -hmm. oh, that's that. And so I'm leaving it out to say, this is what I'm actually talking about, what you're seeing here. That's, that's excellent. Thank you. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> it's our, it's our job as artists to take what we need out of a reference and right. leave the rest behind. Yes. It's fun. Thank you. It's fun. When you are done with your creative days, how do you like to rest? Hmm. Well, I don't get to really rest after my creative days. Um, I have more creativity. So my uh, older kids are teenagers and they play tons of music. So mm -hmm. it's like lots of music lessons. Or my daughter's in seven bands. and Seven? Seven. And she plays three main instruments. That's amazing. Yeah. The drums, which she's killer on. And then her main instrument is cello. And then she also plays bass. And then they're playing music here. Like we have host several band practices here. And then her brother is incredible on guitar now. He used to play saxophone also. And so they have a band together. So it's like enjoying their music, supporting their music. And then our little guy is an actor. And so he's usually dressed up these days as Willy Wonka. He's on like week four. I love it. Yeah. Hat, cane. The work. The suit. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're always playing Wonka games or imaginary play. So my work doesn't really end. And I think that fuels my work heavily yeah like the amount of creativity in my life is like explosive i am dead at nine o'clock i go uh -huh. to sleep like i can't <laughs> remember my own name <laughs> and it's perfect <laughs> yeah and i wake up like woo, i love my life <laughs> trees made of creativity <laughs> you guys are all welcome to come play we also host uh regular hangs with like karaoke and dance parties and huge, jams and huge. i mean it's such creativity is the juice right good. yeah it is like it's our, it's my favorite thing i love that i love that yeah <laughs> seven bands I will, i'm impressed I will refrain from singing uh the imagination song from charlie and chocolate factory but just know that that is like our family anthem you know all the words. Oh, all you the know words. all the nuance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and my son can do it for you also with a cane and a hat. My last couple of questions here is, do you have any advice for an emerging artist who wants to improve their artistic career? Hmm. Hmm. Career. I'm curious what you mean about that word, career. Maybe they are working... They consider themselves to be an artist, but mm. they they want to push the work further, not necessarily financially, but they do want to be a professional. Yeah, their practice. Their maybe. practice. Their yeah. practice. Yeah. I would say you don't have much control over your career. That's probably one of the most frustrating parts of being an artist. And maybe just know that that has nothing to do with the quality of your work. Whew, it's hard to believe, but um, there are not enough galleries for all these amazing artists. Uh, I think the best way to, yeah, work your practice more is to stay off your phone. <laughs> ah, number one. Yep. Um, notice what you love mm -hmm. and collect what you love, um, preferably through imagery that's much cheaper. But um, I do think there's an importance to noticing what you're noticing. So there's a lot of information in the world and when you can fine tune your own vessel and know when you're being lit up, you are sharing your voice mm -hmm. and that's what we need. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. I love it. What's, what's next for you? Um, I'm in the middle of these like wonderful conversations because the work is done for the show and taking up my whole studio. I am really wanting to work on that piece I was just mentioning, but it's hard to think when you have 15 paintings out in your studio. I walked into Dree's studio before this and you can like barely move around. <laughs> yeah. There were enormous paintings. And several were not even out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I have, yeah, lots of like studio visits. I kind of do pre-show shows so that people know what work is coming out. 
And then um, once the show is up, I'll be giving several talks and that's when I'll start working again. And I have a show out at IE Gallery next April, I believe. April. May, March, something. 2024? I'm like, can't think. Uh, no, 2025. Nice. So every other year nice. is the rule. Yeah. And then I'm looking to expand. So I'm submitting to galleries, you know, hoping to get other coasts involved. And I'm in a position where I can make more work than ever before because, ooh, here's something to look forward to. Once you've been making work for 20 years, it mm. comes faster. Nice. Oh, my gosh. That's good to know. Outside of learning this new material, which has slowed me down a bit, my concepts are really strong and my choices are fast. And so I'm reworking, well, especially the beginning of this series, mostly because of paint issues. Mm. But I am amazed at the speed at which... I can paint now because I solved so many of my problems, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Love it. Right? That's Something to look forward to. So Keep nice it up, to gang. <laughs> it's really fun. Then you just have to challenge like stretching and lifting weights and stuff. Uh -huh. Now your tool needs a little help. Just But your brain is like on fire. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. I have stacks and stacks of collages ready. Oh actually. my gosh. Yeah. I'm ready. Uh, yeah, I could paint 20 paintings right now if I had, you know, 20 of me. Holy cats. It's so fun. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I can't wait to be there. Not that I'm lacking inspiration, but like, I no, can't wait to be there. No, isn't that fun? Yeah. Yeah. It's something to look forward to. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, so I'm Dree, D-R-I-E underscore Chapic on Instagram. And then the same is my website, DreeChapic.com. Nice. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's so fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Brushwork. If you are looking to find Dree, you can find links to her Instagram and website in the show notes, plus links to everything that we chatted about today, books, people, etc. I hope you make good choices. Have a great day. And until next time, bye. See you later.